have your Bibles, and I hope you do, uh, you can open them up to the Gospels. We'll be in a couple passages there. You can get to Matthew or Matthew or Luke. But uh, we're moving along in our series on the lost art of giving forgiveness. This week and next, we'll wrap up. Staying angry is easy. Would you agree? Staying angry is easy. It's costly, but it's easy. Forgiving, now that's the difficult part. English poet Alexander Pope said, To err is human, to forgive is divine. And he had it right. Sinning comes naturally, but forgiving is an art. And in this series, we have said it's a supernatural talent that God gives to His children. It's a sacred skill. you got to learn how to do it. It doesn't come natural. And it's a spiritual discipline that you put into practice. As I thought about this this week and where we are in this series, really the series has moved through that process. We began looking at the supernatural talent, how God gives us His forgiveness. We've looked at the the sacred skill and the overall process, and now we're trying to get into some of the disciplines that we need to put into practice. Well, you see the four fundamentals there. What are they? Let's begin from the bottom. Say them with me receiving forgiveness from God. Secondly, being forgiving toward one another. Asking forgiveness from one another and giving forgiveness to one another. Now, to kind of move us through what we've been, let's just look at some opening ideas here. Let's begin with receiving forgiveness. And and you ought to be able to fill in some of these blanks. Receiving forgiveness from God is the foundation, the source. I don't care what you... It's the idea. It's fundamental. It's the, it's the beginning part. The foundation for recovering the lost art. Everything we are... And, and, and we're going to get to this video, Lord willing. Please help me, Lord. Uh, and you're going to be reminded of that in a, in, a, in a powerful way. Secondly, being forgiving towards others, though, is the heart of recovering the lost art of forgiveness. And that, that in this series, I had never taught that out. I, I had come to that biblical conclusion of being forgiving. And I think it's a real missing link. And so I'm glad we spent some time there. It, being forgiving in your heart gives integrity to your asking and giving. If you just run into these disciplines of asking and giving forgiveness, and you don't talk about being forgiving from the heart, then it, it lacks integrity. And being forgiving bridges the gap from receiving God's forgiveness to actually asking and giving it to one another. So let's look at that, asking forgiveness. We looked at that last week. And I would sum up last week in this way. Asking forgiveness is submitting, submitting to the Father's demand that living in fellowship with Him and one another be our greatest priority. Why should I make it a spiritual discipline in my life to ask forgiveness? Because it's submitting to the Father's demand. This is an option. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. But it's a command that we want to do to honor Him. That's the second thing. Asking forgiveness is honoring the Father's desire that His children remain in fellowship with Him and one another as a family. So when I humble myself, as hard as that is, and when I ask God for the grace to ask forgiveness when I'm wrong, 
then what I'm doing is I'm submitting to God's command for me as my father, and I'm honoring his desire. He wants us to live in fellowship together. And so we talked about the the world substitute for that is to say, I'm sorry, I apologize, no request, no confession of wrong. And we said the the a, a more biblical way, and I would just challenge you to, to commit to doing this and even teaching it, to your kids, and that's, I have sinned by, or I have wronged you by, say it specifically, and then make the ask, will you forgive me? And then wait. Wait. All right? We looked at the eight A's of asking, so we won't go over that. You can download that at glenwoodconnection.org. All the messages are there. All the audio is there. All the notes are there. Dates all the way back to uh, 2009, I believe. So, here we go. So, last week, you've asked, will you forgive me? And what happens is, you're waiting. And what are you waiting for? For them to give you forgiveness. So, that's what we're going to look at today. Let's recover the lost art of giving forgiveness. Because you can't accept what you haven't been given. And every healthy relationship is made up of good, two good forgivers. So let's dive into this. Why should we freely give forgiveness? So I've been asked, now why should I do it? And if you're like me, you need some good reasons because our, our natural inclination when asked to forgive someone that's hurt us is to say, no. No. Right? So we want to say yes. So let me give you seven. We're not going to dive into. We're not going to teach these. These are just they're they're kind of they're natural from what we've learned thus far. Seven reasons it frees us to number one to show one another that freely receiving forgiveness from the Father has truly transformed our hearts as His children. It, it shows when we withhold forgiveness. It, 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 there's a question mark. Well, have you not received his forgiveness? Has your heart not been transformed? Number two, it moves us from the attitude of being forgiving into the action. So you can be as forgiving as you want to be, but the proof of being forgiving is when you're asked, what do you do? You give it. You give it. Okay? It moves you from this attitude that we should have to the action. Number three, it frees us to give to those asking the same grace that the Father has given to each of us in Christ again and again and again. It enables us to give that which we so freely ask and receive again and again more time and more often, uh, more than one time a day. Right? Now, do you see, way back in the series, we talked about confessing sin. If we don't, on a regular basis, ask God for His forgiveness, then we're not going to be as eager or as appreciative to give forgiveness to others. Because, you know what? I don't really, you know, need it from God. You don't really need it from me. And it just breaks down, breaks down the whole system. Four. Are we on four? Four. Uh, it frees us to model to model the way the Father and the Son forgive repentant sinners who ask them. 
when, when someone asks us for forgiveness and we freely give it, we've just modeled what God and Jesus do all the time, every day, all around the world, granting forgiveness freely. Okay? Uh, next, it frees us to bear the fruit of the Spirit. You simply can't be filled with the Spirit and unforgiving at the same time. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, I mean, gentleness, loving kindness, long, uh, uh, long uh, uh, bearing long, what am I, long suffering, long suffering, bearing long, okay, same thing. Those are the fruit of the Spirit. It frees you to bear that fruit. Six, it frees us to experience God's forgiveness of us. That's a theme that we've looked at again and again. Listen, God is going to withhold His forgiveness and His fellowship from those that withhold forgiveness and fellowship from other believers who ask for it. And then finally, it frees us to worship God without chastisement. It frees us to worship God without chastisement. Let me just read for you Mark 11.25. Jesus says this, Whenever you stand praying... Okay, so here you are, and standing to pray is a picture of the worship in the temple in Jesus' day. And he says, look, you're worshiping in the temple, and when you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father, who is in heaven, will also forgive you your transgressions. And then in Matthew 18, and we've read this numerous times, the parable of the unforgiving servant ends with these, this warning. And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. There's chastisement. There's discipline that comes with an unforgiving heart. Okay? So, that's why we should do it. I think you're convinced of that. I think we've been convinced of that. Number two, when do I do it? When do I freely give forgiveness? All right? So when do I do this? Well, two, two, two uh, principles here. The first principle is this. As soon as you are requested by the offender and possibly can. As soon as you are requested by the offender and you possibly can now, in the past, when I would teach this, it would just be as soon as you were requested by the offender. But with time and maturity, you realize that's true, but it's a process. So I want to emphasize that process because there's the worst thing you can do. We're not, well, let me put it this way. The Bible is not teaching us a mechanical, rigid, you know, hey, I ask you forgiveness. Okay, I got to give it to you. And there's no heart involvement. Are you with me? So we don't ask without being forgiving, and we don't give forgiveness without being forgiving. There's, there's a heart process. But the point is, once someone has asked us to forgive them, they've sincerely asked, they've repented, and they're asking for forgiveness, as imperfect as they are, right? With no guarantee, they won't do it again. There, is just, there are no guarantees with that. But they don't intend to, and they're asked. The second that request is made... The ball's in whose court? The ball's in my court, and the clock is ticking. Are you, that's the idea. The clock is ticking. Oh, well, let me think about it. 
you know, give me a couple years and I might be ready. You know, let's see how you, uh, let's see if you're really repentant. No, 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 no. As soon as the request is made, and as soon as you possibly can, uh, and, and where I would direct you, uh, why don't you turn there, Luke 15, we took time, the prodigal son. I mean, that power, that hit me. And I look forward to teaching through that. When the prodigal son comes, he's repentant from the heart. He confesses. And he's going through that process of asking forgiveness. Not directly asking it, because what he's saying is, look, I'm unworthy of your forgiveness. I'm willing to just be a servant. And the father, what's the father do? He runs and he, he interrupts his confession and he grabs him and he hugs him and he kisses him. That's the picture, okay? So that's the picture that we want. But in our class, we want to bridge the gap between biblical learning and radical living. And so it's easy to teach these principles, would you agree? Easy to fill in blanks, much harder to do. So here's some questions. I mean, as I'm reflecting, I'm thinking, okay, what questions would people have when they hear this biblical learning and they want to implement it in radical living? Question number one, do I have to do it immediately when asked? What if I need to process their request? Do you think that's a real world question? Yeah, very real world, right? That's, that's real world living. So what's the answer to that? Uh, forgiveness is both a decision and a destination. Forgiveness is both a decision and a destination. As a decision, you can't wait. Listen, you can't wait for the right feelings to come or the bad feelings to go away. If you wait for the right feeling, when will you end up forgiving? Never. Okay. Forgiveness is a choice. It's a decision. So by grace... Through faith in God's promises and the provision of His Son, choose to forgive when asked, okay, as soon as possible. But realize this, that in choosing and verbalizing to give forgiveness, it's a destination and you can work through the process of giving forgiveness. In fact, it's very legitimate if somebody, especially, and again, the deeper the hurt, the greater the, the process and the greater these principles. You know, some of you may have never been deeply hurt and you're like, why is he teaching 10 weeks on forgiveness? Well, it's because you've never been deeply hurt that you're asking that. And that's okay. I'm thankful for you. You know, I'm, I, I wish my life was like that. It, it, my life hasn't been, okay? And most of us aren't. The deeper the hurt, the more these principles have to be followed. Are you with me? The, the lesser the hurt, and, the, and we'll talk next week about covering things with love, then you're just like, ah, you know, you just... Anyway, I'll tell you some stories next week. Now... So, when someone asks you, it's okay to say, you know what, I really want to do what's right to the Lord. And I really want to do what's right to you. But I need a little time. Could you give me a little time? Could you give me a week? You know, a day? You know, in other words, let me process. But don't, don't, leave, don't leave them hanging. You really ought to put a time on it. Okay? Or, you know what, I'd like to grant you forgiveness, but I think maybe we need a mediator here a little bit. Maybe we need to talk about some things and talk through some things. You see what I'm saying? So this isn't just automatic and, and it isn't just a, a ritual. 
But here's the thing. Realize that working at being forgiving is a unilateral experience. It should begin as soon as possible after the offense and before the offender ever asks or even realizes. Don't When you get hurt, you don't wait for this process. You don't wait for them to come to you to ask. You start working on being forgiving immediately. And then that way, if you do that, what's the odds are when they ask, what are you going to be able to do? You'll be able to be quick to forgive, right? Okay, very good. Question number two. What if they never come and ask or do not even realize what they've done or they are dead? Well, here, let me give you. Our responsibility is to both go to ask and go to give. One of the most beautiful things about Jesus' teaching on forgiveness, that in the same book of the Bible, Matthew, in Matthew 5, he says, again, you're in the context of worshiping him, and all of a sudden he brings to mind, he convicts your mind and heart, and you're like, you know what? I did so-and-so wrong this week. What are we supposed to do? Go. Let's say it together. Go. Okay? On the other hand, we've been hurt. Matthew 18. We've been hurt. And here's what it says, Matthew 18, 15. If your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. So it's, a, it's an amazing, it's a beautiful picture, really. When, it, when we're all submitted to the Lord, here's what happens. You hurt someone and someone is hurt. You end up meeting, running into each other, going to each other with a forgiving heart. Isn't that beautiful? Now, I wish it always, it doesn't always work that way. But that's the way it ought to be. We ought to be running into each other saying, hey, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to hurt you. And hey, you hurt me, but I want to forgive you. And you go, you go, you go. Isn't that good? Is that good? Now, I didn't really answer the question, though. What if they don't know that they, you know, well, you go and you share it with them. How do I do that next week? Okay, so next week we're going to talk about how do you go when someone may not even be aware that they hurt you. Or they may be dead. Do you pull a chair out and start talking to the chair? No, I think there's other things we can do. All right, so next week we'll talk about that. So the first answer to when do we forgive is as soon as you're requested and possibly can. Number two, as soon as you're ready to worship God. Now, this puts the the limit on it. As soon as you're ready to worship God. Now, what, what do I mean by that? Basically, God doesn't want you to show up to worship until you're ready to reconcile with his people. Now, oh, that means I, I didn't have to come today. You know, I, I not only get to be unforgiving, but I don't even need to go to church. This is awesome. Ah, okay, if that's awesome to you, let me share the gospel with you, okay? Because you don't have a redeemed heart. A redeemed heart, a regenerated heart wants to worship the Lord and wants to have fellowship with Him and has fellowship with Him and doesn't want anything to break that. And because if I'm going to be unforgiving to you, I don't get to enjoy my relationship with my Heavenly Father, then by all means, I want to worship Him and I want to reconcile with you. Because, (laughs) sadly... It's always easier to love God in the abstract than his people in the concrete, right? God's so wonderful. Well, you know, if we... Well, anyway, I won't even go there. But the, the point is, there's not a separation between those two. Let, let me give you three things. These aren't in your notes. Under this idea of when you're ready to worship. Listen, our Heavenly Father wants us to understand that an unforgiving heart 
a heart that refuses to freely give forgiveness to those who sincerely ask it, number one, it's not consistent with being his child. It's just not consistent. Secondly, it's not condoned in his family. Unforgiveness is not condoned in the family of God. So, you know, the Father's going to be talking to us about this. And then thirdly, it's not without chastisement from the Father for those who are truly His children. Okay? So, it's not consistent, it's not condoned, and it's not without consequences. Doesn't that sound like your dad talking to you? Doesn't that sound like a parent? Hey, in our house, we don't do that. It's not consistent with being a Regus. It's not condoned. We're not going to allow that. And if you insist on that, there's going to be consequences. Well, guess what? We've got a Heavenly Father that values forgiveness that much. Amen? All right. You guys kind of look like the weather out there. Okay? Okay. Okay. This is good. Thank you, Carmen. You keep it up. Keep it up. All right. So, now, we know why we should do it. We know when we should do it. Thirdly... And by the way, if you apply that principle of worship, you're not going to go more than a week. Really, you're not going to go more than a day because we should be worshiping God every day. So it's kind of that 24-hour, seven days. We don't want to go a long time on this. It's not, it's not. The clock is ticking. Okay, so how do we freely do it? How do we do it? Well, four basic Steps in the process. Don't see them as just steps that you click off. It's a process. But we do have to know how to do it. It's a, it's a skill. So if you don't have steps, you don't know how to do it. Number, number one, choose. And I wrote this very carefully. Choose with your redeemed will to freely give the gift of forgiveness from your regenerate heart. Now, why did I write it that way? Because you could write underneath this, if I'm born again, I have no, what? No excuse. I have no excuses. With your redeemed will. You said, well, I, I just, I can't do it. Yes, you can if you're born again. I can't do it. You have a redeemed will. I can't do it. You don't know how deeply I'm hurt. You have a regenerated heart. God understands your hurt. We're not lessening that hurt. But the reality is, forgiveness is a choice we make, and it's a gift we give. There you go. Now, let me say this. We've said it in relation to asking God for forgiveness, but let me say this. It's as hard to give people forgiveness as it is to, you know, get for, uh, ask God for, you know. When people have sinned deeply and they ask God for forgiveness, what's the hardest thing for them to do? No, I mean, when, when they've asked God for forgiveness and you've sinned deeply, what's the hardest thing to, re, to realize in relation to God? That He's forgiven you. I mean, there's a lot of people, you know, most people, listen, a lot of believers are hindered in moving forward in marriage, in ministry, in life, simply because they've sinned deeply. Hey, welcome to the club. Okay, first of all. They've asked forgiveness, but they haven't accepted it, Right? Because there's, there's baggage and there's consequences. And God doesn't just wipe all that away, does he? But what you need to do is you ask God for forgiveness once and then you thank him for it a thousand times. Don't keep asking. 
That's offensive. Think of it. If it was your kid and you for, they asked for forgiveness and you forgave them and they kept saying, you know, next morning, Dad, well, I mean, this has never happened in our life, but <laughs> Dad, would you? Now, now I, will, I will say this. I will say this and I won't go into detail, but, but my daughter did call me up and ask me for forgiveness this week. Now, that's a precious thing. Very precious. Um, you know, as we're trying to thinking through launching, there's a lot of places where we've we've failed. I feel, you know, our daughter just oh gosh, you know, you're just thinking, oh, oh, oh can we start over? You know, give me this 18 years again. But I know this: if she can do this, you know. So when you know when you call your dad and you say, hey, we need to meet, and I need to ask you forgiveness. Okay. But here's the thing. When you ask God for forgiveness, I mean, if your parent. So if she came to me every day now for the rest of this week and said, Dad, I'm just not sure you forgave me. Would you forgive me again? I might do that once or twice. But then we're going to sit down and have a chit chat. Why? I forgave you. Forget it. Quit bringing it up. Move on. Okay. Now, when you give forgiveness to someone, guess what? You've got to do the same thing. So you make the choice and you give forgiveness to this person who has deeply hurt you. Give it to them once and then thank God for the grace to keep that attitude towards them. Are you with me? Okay. I hope that helped. Choose to freely and graciously forgive them once and then thank God a thousand times for His renewing grace in Christ to maintain the attitude and actions consistent with that choice. That's choice number one. Number two, make the promise to lift the burden. Make the promise to lift the burden of guilt and not remember the offense to give them. So the choice is important, but making the promise in some ways is even more important. Forgiveness is a promise we make for things. And we've already taught this way back at the beginning of the series, but I want to hit now's the time when we're, we're going to implement. I won't bring it up to the person to use against them. You can't. You do not forgive and forget. You forgive and choose not to remember against them. Don't. I won't bring it up to the person to use against them. Number two, I won't bring it up to others to use against that person. Number three, I won't bring it up to myself to use it against them. That might be the greatest battle right there. Because we just, we replay, we replay. And the reason we're talking to others and that person about it is because it starts in our heart. We just keep replaying it. And it just can't help but come out. Number four, I won't let it be an obstacle to viewing them as God views them. In other words, you quit. God help us when we start labeling people. Anyone here like being labeled in a negative way? No. And we should be labeling other people. Now, okay, you know, sins are sins, and I, I get all that. But I, I think you understand what I'm saying. You've got to change your attitude of viewing that person. All right, does that help? Number two. Number three. Number three. I've chosen and I've made the promise. Now, what do I do? Seal it with your behavior. Seal it with your behavior. And this is probably one of the most important uh, principles in Ephesians 4, 
I want you to turn there. Turn to Ephesians 4 and Colossians. Uh, we're going to get to Colossians 3. These two classic passages there. Kind of the passage that the whole series is based on. But in Ephesians 4.31, you get this command, forgive one another just as God in Christ has forgiven you. But it's surrounded with these actions and attitudes. So let's look at it. 4.31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away along with all malice. That's a deep-seated hatred of the heart. But notice what it says. Before it says to forgive, it says be kind to one another, tender-hearted. Show kindness to the person you've forgiven. That seals the forgiveness. Because when someone is sincere in asking you for forgiveness, they're going to have the same doubts that we have when we ask God for forgiveness, right? What are they going to think? Has he or she really forgiven me? I've had, I've had that happen in my life. It's a horrible feeling. And I've had to remind myself, I've been forgiven. I don't need it. Because what you feel prompted to do is to go back to that person and talk about it again. And if they've forgiven you, you don't have to do that. You know, you don't need to do that. They don't want you to do that. Instead, what can happen is when you give forgiveness to someone, give them a little gift. Send them a little card. Send them a text. Show them an act of kind. Give them a gift card. And, and what, it, what that does is like, oh, wow, we're okay. We're okay again. Does that make... Are you... You're all kind of looking like... You see, I had somebody forgive me one time. And really, I, I think I learned this principle from this individual before I even knew the principle and even taught it. And they forgave me of something. And then the next week, they gave me a CD, a music CD as a gift. It was the coolest thing. Because now you're not thinking about the unpleasantries. You're just going, oh, wow. You know, so show some kindness. Colossians 3, same thing. Uh, let's go there. Colossians three twelve through fifteen. Colossians three twelve through fifteen. Do you start getting the picture? This is a, a life community. This is a this is being in community. It's not just transactions. Uh, look at Colossians three twelve through fifteen in your Bible. So, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, there's the election. There's the fact that you're born again. There's the fact that you're in God's family. Now, here's what you do if you're in God's family: put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another. Then he says, forgiving each other whoever has a complaint against anyone just as the lord forgave you so also should you and then he says but don't stop there beyond all these things put on love which is the perfect bond of unity let the peace of christ rule in your hearts to which you indeed were called in one body and be thankful so you see the idea of, it, it doesn't surround your forgiveness with acts of kindness Okay, number four, here's the fourth and final step in the process of giving forgiveness. Trust God, trust God with the ongoing process of remaining forgiving, keeping the promise and showing the kindness. You're like, I don't think I can do this. All right, let's ask some, uh, let's bridge the gap between biblical learning and radical living. Should I expect this to be easy and a one-time gift? It will not, it's, forgiveness is a hard work miracle. 
And no, remember that giving forgiveness is both a decision and a destination. You're going to struggle. And when you give forgiveness to someone who's deeply hurt you, you're going to struggle with remaining forgiving. So you go back to the lesson on being forgiving. You're going to struggle with keeping the promise. You're going to want to talk about it. You want to bring it up to yourself. You're going to want to bring it. You've got to, you got to f- trust God to keep your promise. And you're going to struggle with showing kindness to them. But once you show them the first act of kindness, will it be easier the second time? Yeah. And once you show the second act, will the third act be easier? Yeah. All right. Question number two. Am I on my own in doing this? No, no, no. Remember that your Heavenly Father is in the forgiving business and the heart-changing business. He'll change your heart. He'll change your heart, but you've got to trust Him in the process. All right? Question three. Is it humanly possible to forgive and forget? The answer is no, it's not. You won't forget. But you can choose to erase... No one can choose, I'm sorry, no one can choose to erase the memory banks of the brain, and God does not immediately choose to do that either. But we can choose not to relive the emotional experience. And what happens is when you don't relive the emotion, you, you stop bringing it up, then what happens over time to the feelings? They go away. What happens when you keep reliving? What happens to those feelings? Yeah, and you know what happens? They don't only st- they not only stay alive, Carmen, but they grow. And so pretty soon, after a couple years of reliving those experiences, this little offense that was hurtful has become a major, you know, and, and like this person that doesn't even, first of all, they don't even remember they hurt you 90% of the time. And two, they're not going to remember it as this massive thing that you have nurtured it and fed it to be are you with me all right often the mental memory will fade if we'll release the emotional experience our responsibility is to forgive and not remember the offense it's god's prerogative to enable us to forget if he so chooses and believe me if you i i my wife and i we practice this uh as the imperfect sinners that we are, we practice it. And I'm telling you, over time, I might bring some something to her about some way we have been hurt, and she'll forget that, and she'll bring up something to me, and I'll say, oh, yeah, that did happen, didn't it? Because you, you just you leave it in the past. Okay. Okay, what barriers might we face? This isn't going to be easy. So I have these written out for you. I don't, I don't want to teach through those as much. as, as Just understand, this isn't easy. This is a hard work miracle. What might cause me to withhold forgiveness from others? I'm telling you, the gift of forgiveness is the greatest gift that every Christian has given, and it is the gift that Christians withhold from others the most. Now, why is that? Well, we may be tempted to withhold forgiveness due to a poor self-image. In other words, when I'm hurt, what do people do uh, you know, good, kind people do with hurt people. They, they they gravitate to them, and what do they do? They minister to them. And what does that make the hurt person feel? Good. And that's appropriate. But if you keep maintaining that, because you're like, oh, I, you know, talk to me about... Have you ever had somebody... 
always coming back to you with the same hurt, not that you did, someone else did, and wanting you to minister to their hurt again and again. Extra grace required, people. Okay? Two, due to a need to have control over others. Because here's the thing. When someone humbles you, humbles themselves, and come to you and ask forgiveness, they're at your mercy. And as long as you withhold forgiveness, you kind of have a power over them, right? Or so they think. Number three, due to being too proud to admit we've been hurt. So here's the thing. When you practice this, understand that people, particularly maybe unbelievers, but also Christians that haven't been taught this art of forgiveness, when you say, will you forgive me, they don't always know what to do. And they'll say, that's okay. But you know it's not okay. You know they've been hurt. Why are they saying it's okay and not grant? Because it's as humbling to give forgiveness as it is to ask for it. And some people may be too proud because here's the thing. If you humble yourself to me and I humble myself and give you forgiveness, that means that in a sense I'm saying when I hurt you, I'll come and ask you for forgiveness. You see, it's forgive one another in Scripture. And not everybody likes doing that. Uh, lastly, due to failing to see forgiveness as an act of grace, uh, we think too much about what they don't deserve. We think about how they'll do it again. We think about how we can forgive everything but that. Uh, we think about how we think we know their motives. They're not really sincere. They didn't really mean it. Mean it. But what we're really saying is, I choose to make this person and this offense an exception to the grace of God. Or worse... I choose to be the judge rather than God. Um, and then finally, it all comes down to this, a failure to be obedient. And most often what we tend to, how we justify our disobedience is we say things like, you just don't understand what they did. You don't know how bad I hurt. And you know what the answer to that question answer is? You're right, I don't. Even if I go through the same thing another person is going through, I still don't know how their hurt is different from mine. And one of the worst things we can do in ministering to people who are hurt is dismiss their hurt because to us, that's not a big thing. I mean, I'm telling you, and, and when, you, when I share my hurt with someone who, who I, you can tell when they're dismissing that because they're thinking... Get over it. And we've all been guilty, you know, on either side of that. But here's the reality. What's a big deal to you may not be a big deal to me. And what's a big deal to me may not be a big deal to you. But the point is we're handling, we, we need to deal with our hurt, right? And so don't, don't you know, you got to be careful of that. All right, where are we at here? Um, so, how can we break down these barriers? Let me give you these, and then I want to show you this video. All right. So, how can I break down these barriers? Well, th- you know, here, here, here's the deal. Remember, to not forgive is always costlier than to forgive. You're like, you don't know what it'll cost me to forgive. And I would say to you, you don't know how much greater it will cost you to not forgive. Amen? 
Number two, God never asks us to do anything that He has not first done for us in Christ and has enabled us to do. I can do, and I, I know some people say you can't take that verse, but listen, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me by His grace. Okay? Three, we don't have to be controlled by our feelings or a helpless prisoner of our past. Hey, set yourself free so you can set others free. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. So if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. We could do some ethnic preaching there. That's good stuff. Number four, Jesus Christ has special grace for the bruised and wounded. Man, this is huge. Jesus Christ has special... Because here's the thing. The reason we don't want to forgive is because we're hurt so deeply and we're thinking, hey, who's going to care for me if I forgive them? You know, who's going to minister to me in my pain? I'll tell you who, the one who was crushed for your sin. The one who said words like this, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Isaiah is speaking of Jesus, who had not yet been born as a man. Isaiah 42, 3 through 4. A bruised reed he will not break. A dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. He will faithfully bring forth justice. Isn't that beautiful? He's not going to crush you in your hurt. And guess what? Someday he's going to make all things right. Man, that's, that's beautiful. He will not be disheartened or crushed until he has established justice in the earth. And the coastlands will wait expectantly for him. A couple more. Reflect on how many times a day God forgives you in Christ. Boom. If you have really forgiven, here's the next one. If you've really forgiven, it's never the second, seventh, or twentieth time you've forgiven that person. It's always the what? The first time. It's always the first time. Amen? All right, now here's what I want to do. In the time we have left, I want to introduce you to one of the heroes of the faith, Corey Timboom. Corey Timboom, there she is. Uh, many of you, we've had the privilege of sitting in her home in, outside of Amsterdam. Her family was a Christian family that out of conviction of Israel being God's chosen people during World War II, they took in uh, Jews to protect them from the Nazis. And for doing so, they were arrested by the Nazis, thrown in a concentration camp, Ravensbrück concentration camp in Amsterdam, and her whole family was obliterated. Only she survived. And yet, God did a work. And so here's Corey, gonna, in her own words, going to tell us how to put today's lesson into practice. of our strength is Jesus Christ himself and his cross shows us that we can accept suffering as a part of God's plan for this world 
When I was in the concentration camp, one of the most terrible things I had to go through was that they stripped us of all our clothing. And we had to stand. The first time was the worst. I said, Betsy, I cannot bear this. And suddenly it was as if I saw Jesus at the cross. And the Bible tells, they took his garments, he hanged there naked. And I knew he hanged there for me, for my sins. And by my suffering, I understood a fraction of the suffering of Jesus Christ. And it made me so thankful that I could bear my suffering. Love. So amazing, so divine, demands my life, my soul, my all. Some people are afraid to look at the cross. Are you? Don't be afraid. The cross is terrible. It is terrible how Jesus suffered. Not to describe but you must not afraid to look at it. For if you had been the only person in the world, Jesus should have suffered for your sins. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my sins rolled away, it was there by faith I received my sight, and now I have guidance every day. It was some time ago that I was in Berlin and there came a man to me and said, Ah, Mr. Brom, I am glad to see you. Don't you know me? And suddenly I saw that man that was one of the most cruel officers, guards in the concentration, concentration camp. And that man said, I have, I'm now a Christian, I have found the Lord Jesus, I read my Bible and I know that there is forgiveness for all the sins of the whole world, also for my sins. I have forgiveness for the cruelties I have done, but then I have asked God grace for an opportunity that I could ask one of my very victims forgiveness. And Fräulein Tambom wants him here forgiven. Will you forgive me? And I could not. I remembered the suffering of my dying sister through him. But when I saw, when I explained that I could not forgive, suddenly I knew I myself have no forgiveness. Do you know that Jesus has said that? When you do not forgive those who have sinned against you, my heavenly Father will not forgive you your sins. And I, I knew, oh, I'm not ready for Jesus coming because I have no forgiveness for my sins. But I was not able, I could not, I could only hate him. And then... I took one of these 
beautiful text, one of these boundless resources, Romans 5.5, the love of God is shed abroad into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. And I said, thank you Jesus, that you have brought into my heart God's love through the Holy Spirit who is given to me. And thank you, Father, that your love is stronger than my hatred and unforgiveness. That same moment I was free. And I could say, brother, give me your hand. And I shook hands with him. And it was as if I felt God's love stream through my arms. You never touch so the ocean of God's love as that you forgive your enemies. Can you forgive? No. I can't either. But he can. That's just good stuff. That's just good stuff. Stuff. Old Corey. Can you forgive? No. I can't either. But he can. But he can. Isn't that good? Listen, there's always someone whose story and hurt is greater than yours. Always someone. And it's not only Jesus that we'll have to answer to, but heaven's going to be filled with people like Corey Timboom who, by the grace of God, have given forgiveness when asked, right? And, and we're going to look around and we're going to say, I want to be in that number who gave forgiveness as freely as I received it. Amen? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we see uh, the response, the application is to go. Go and give forgiveness. Freely give it when asked. So, Father, I pray for each of us. It never gets any easier in in some ways. In other ways, it does because it becomes a discipline in our life. And we have a file folder of experiences. We have a hard drive of experiences that we can draw on. But in a sense, when we are hurt, fresh and anew, we have to humble ourselves again. So I pray that your brothers and sisters here today who are standing in that grace who's had your love shed abroad, that we would share it freely with one another. And Father, if anyone's here who has not yet received that forgiveness from you, there's doubts, they're, they're, they're unsure, they need help with receiving it, accepting it. Man, we're here ready to do that. May they receive it from you and then grant it freely to others. In Jesus' name, all God's people said... Amen. Amen. Go and be forgiving this week.